Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and this is the Best of 2019 podcast roundup and delighted to be joined for the second year running by Zara Hederman. How's it going, Zara? Hi, how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Thanks for inviting me into your home where we did it last year, where we're going to do the podcast again this year. How was the year for you personally before we get into it? musically you started writing for a couple of more outlets sunday business post most recently mm-hmm. congratulations thank you very much thanks um yeah no it was a great great 2019 i have to say it's flown by mm. um it feels like it was august only three two, months two, <laughs> i was about to say two weeks ago but <laughs> <laughs> three months is actually a bit more accurate um yeah no it was a great year um especially in terms of music that was coming out and that made you know working a lot more enjoyable because you got to listen to a lot of great albums you have music on and work all the time don't you all the time yeah um which is amazing for then the end of year when i get my spotify um the roundup because uh everyone will share that and be like yeah i listened to uh 12,000 minutes of songs and i because it's on constantly like nine to five literally yeah and then when i get home if i'm cooking or whatever there's an extra bit of time there so one year i think it was something ridiculous like astronomically high all right we get it you like music (laughs) i'm music bro (laughs) (laughs) well look it's only music pros that are allowed on the podcast so delighted uh that we're going to get into it again um i do think that the way people listen to music is uh like it's really really interesting just in terms of how just normalized Spotify is like the mm-hmm. amount of ba- like you've got to have a, a Spotify plan mm-hmm. when you're a new band when you're a band thinking about an album and like the best way to put it out and just as a listener just doing up my list to chat about them on the podcast I find rap doesn't feature as prominently for me because I work with words I work in a newspaper so um while I do listen to music while I work I I don't listen to rap music because the lyrics are so important in rap music and it's very um front and center and it's really distracting when you're trying to read or something yeah i'm um, the same and uh, then when i'm at home i usually listen to podcasts over like if i'm doing something in the kitchen or something mm. so all of that i think it's interesting maybe it's not <laughs> <laughs> one thing about um spotify being and like the way that people are listening to music is i feel that it's really while it's been such a great enhancement and it's such a good resource to have for people who like to listen to a lot of music and kind of go rogue and discover new things I have found that it has uh, instilled a really bad habit in me which is I actually can never remember or I never know names of songs yeah because of how I listen to it where my I'll be listening if I'm on the go my bag will be or my phone will be in my bag or my pocket and only every now and again, if I really love a song, I'll be like, ooh, what's this? Um, but a lot of the time I've noticed, like even when we were we're going to be talking about songs of the year, and I was, I could pick out a song where within the album being like, oh, I know that this is kind of like midway through the album, but I would never know what the song was called. So there was one or two songs where I was like, I love the song and I want this to be on my list. I actually don't know what this song yeah, is called, yeah. <laughs> which was really bad. Yeah. Um, whereas when I was younger, I used to be really good at knowing song titles. So. It's just literally not in front of you. You're not looking mm. at the artwork as much. You're not looking at the um, uh, songs on the back yeah. as much. Mm. 
Um, but yeah, Spotify, it's great and awful at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody would uh, agree with that. So the way the podcast is going to work is we're going to go through the 10 best Irish songs of the year first and then the 10 best Irish albums of the year. Let's get into it. We'll work from 10 to 1 on the Irish tracks, I suppose. What's your uh, number 10 track of the year? My number 10 track is um, from Arborist from Belfast. Um, it's Mark McCambridge and his song Taxi that came out in late October. And basically, it's a really beautiful spoken word song. He was inspired by Arab Strap and Bell and Sebastian and how those guys would had a tendency to have kind of spoken word songs where they tell really detailed stories and very personal stories and he wanted to do a similar thing but with the northern irish accent um so this song is basically about mark's dad's cousin called henry mcquillan who was a musician in he was a bass player in a band called taxi and mark just talks about being like a young boy and being really fascinated with this guy. And then it's set to this really, really nice arrangement of just like guitar. There's a nice drone and really gorgeous strings in it. Um, It's just, it was so different to everything else. That's on my list, really. I wouldn't really usually be one for a spoken word song. But this one just really works because he does... He adds so many different layers to it. The story is so engaging. And it's one that's quite... um like resonating I think everyone or most people would have a kind of figure like the Henry McQuillan in this song where your parents knew someone or had a friend that was a bit bit of an outlier that you kind of looked up to so this was a really really nice one Sometime around 1967 or 68, when Dad sat in the People's Park looking up at a solid grey sky. It never changes much, he thought, and still doesn't even now. He was smoking a cigarette. I've never seen him smoke, but I imagine he probably did back then, or he tried it at least. His hair was a shiny gloss of solid black, and every so often he'd run his free hand through it and gently pat it into place. It was always pretty stark against his pasty skin in old photos, but it's been wispy and grey for as long as I can remember. Great, straight away, like a new track that uh, I, I don't really know, so looking forward to checking mm, that oh, out. Oh, it's brilliant. Is it a debut track? Or is it no, um, it's going to be on his forthcoming album, which I think it's called A Northern View, and that's coming out in February of next oh, okay. year, and it's uh, a third album. I think, oh, okay. I think. Um, he's brilliant though he's a cool. really really great guy I'll check him out uh, number 10 for me is I think they were my favorite track last year um, and I think it's the only track that they've put out new this year it's Saint Sister with Is It Too Early Kilmainham uh, which was released while they were on their US tour uh, in the middle of the summer and I think it's just a really just continuing on uh, just a great run of tracks from Saint Sister. It seems like they're almost throwaway at this stage, you know, that they can just put out a really great track. Um, and yeah, it's a really interesting story behind it. Morgan wrote it and she says that uh, the sentiment behind the song is twofold. On a personal level, it came from the homesickness and anxiety we were feeling on tour last year. So that would have been in 2017. Uh, all the while receive or 2018 all the while receiving messages from home wishing us well so it's just a really nice song and if you like saying sister you're gonna love that track and i love saying sister and i think it's a great uh great song um number nine 
for me is Mango and Math Man with Lisa Hannigan, Deep Blue. It was the lead single off of his uh, debut album, off of their debut album, sorry, Casual Work, which only came out at the a couple of weeks ago. And he says that it's a love letter to Dublin. And I interviewed him for the podcast. So that came out um, a couple of weeks after the album uh, came out. And he says that he doesn't think that he could write that song now. And he says that the city is changing too fast. And that, yeah, we're going to look back on what's happening in Dublin at the moment as just like something that's just really, really awful. He says it's like Reaganism or Thatcherism or something like that. And like the video is really great too. It's just him like kind of going through Dublin and it ends. Um, I, I actually don't know my Dublin geography. I was actually asking them where it ended. It ends with him kind of like looking out to sea in between kind of a, bro- a broken piece of wall. Um, I think it's on the north side, but I don't know. But I think it's a really good song. I think it's probably the best song on the album and it features Lisa Hannigan. I mean, talk about ticking all of my boxes. That was such a surprise collaboration um, when I heard that she was on that song. I was... Apparently she was eight months pregnant as well when she was in the studio, like, you know, working right up until the last. Um, And she sounds like she was a delight to work with. And uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. I think she's absolutely brilliant. What about you? What's number nine for you? My number nine is Dairy and Numb. Uh, that's number uh, eight for me, I think. Ooh, yeah, so, so we we're, can have we're a good there. Chat. We're in the same <laughs> in the same ballpark. Uh, just before we uh, started recording, we were just talking about how much we uh, love Dowry, Aina Brennan. What do you like about this track? I just love the what I love about Aina um, and Dowry's music is the build up she creates. She is so good at creating space in her songs and for like letting a piece like unravel itself naturally and progressively and she does so in a way that you really feel that you get the whole world of the song in the first listen if that makes sense because everything just has time to introduce itself to you um I love her voice as well her voice on this is so so interesting yeah she's just phenomenal I think a really special very talented artist yeah um, she she's someone as well who's kind of grown over the years too because she put out one track uh, a year or two ago called in e which was just the violin on a loop and she's obviously i don't know maybe gained in confidence a little bit that she's decided to start singing i was surprised when i saw her live and she started singing for the first time i was like oh wow this is amazing like it was unexpected and i think she sounds really confident on this and it also sounds that she has a really great creative partnership with uh steven from participant as well who's um on guitar and just been working with her and yeah what a what a tag team they are Mm, i'm very much looking forward to a full album from her yeah hopefully we won't have to wait Uh, there there won't be as big a gap between uh, this track which is only her second track and her debut single in e can i stay here as my worries disappear as my veins begin to drain out the fear Can I stay here? Can I stay here? So that was my number eight. What What's your number eight as well? My I'm number eight up. is a late entry. This song only came out in November of this year. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm often um, made fun of for my recency bias. So my number eight is Keelan Sherlock's song, Don't Let Me Forget About Her. I absolutely love this song. Um, I saw him play at Ireland Music Week. I saw him play um, in the Grand Social and was really looking forward to his set because I really loved um, the song that he put out in... October was it? Shades, Shades of, of you. you. Yeah, yeah, that's another great song. Um, but what I loved about this one is just how groovy it is. Mm. The bass in this song is amazing, and his vo- vocals really remind me of um, Daniel Romano, who's a uh, like kind of alt country rock guy who's quite like mildly. He's not really mildly eccentric in his songs, but like. He's just very cool and outgoing and, and I whatnot. I think Keenan would take mildly eccentric as a character. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, that's my number eight. That track that we mentioned, Shades of You, is my number six song of the year. I really like it because it's different to the solo stuff that he's done before. He used to be called Saint Keelan and um, he's rebranded as Keelan Sherlock. But as he's done that, he's also gotten a band together as well. So Rory Dale is on the groovy bass that you're talking about there. He used to be in Elastic Sleep. Uh, Leah Hearn is on uh, vocals as well. And he's got another few people helping him out too. So it does feel like a band, but I just love his vocal delivery on it because it's it's so kind of weird and different to what went before. And like, I've always felt that Keelan has this uh really great potential in him and I feel that this was the the track which made me like oh there it is there it is really 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 loved it So that was my number six. So I think, are you on number seven? I'm on number seven. (laughs) (laughs) I hope people are keeping track. (laughs) My number seven is, again, it's another new song, but I've been listening to this album for about a month now. And it's Maya Sophia's song, The Wife of Michael Cleary. She is such a superbly talented musician. Um, Her songwriting is, I think, kind of unparalleled in Ireland at the moment I think there's a real timelessness to her lyrics I love how unique her singing voice is as well it's very distinct I interviewed her recently enough and she was talking about when she was kind of starting to play music and was building up the confidence to sing and she was like oh I don't 
really know if I can sing because I don't sound like Mariah Carey but she was then just like no fuck it I'm actually just gonna sing and I think that authenticity in her sound comes across so well um her storytelling as I was just saying across her album is phenomenal she also has done this thing where she's told the stories of a number of women throughout history so like Edie Sedgwick Elizabeth Sedal and here um the wife of Michael Cleary is about Bridget Cleary who was um a woman in Ireland and basically her husband thought she was a witch and had her murdered <laughs> but on this song Ronan Keeley um junior junior brother he lends some vocals to this as well and she was telling me actually that um they played a gig together a, a while ago while she was still making this album and he was like I actually have been trying to write a song about Bridget Cleary. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um but he was like, Oh, I don't it's not really coming together very well, but I'd love to like, you know, perform with you. And also this song was covered by Rady Pete and Katie Kim in a gig last year. Oh class. Yeah. Wow, amazing. Yeah. So it's kind of gotten a good and big history itself in that song for her, um, even though it's just only kind of newly released. But it's just such a beautiful song and Ronan's vocals on it are really nice where they don't overpower they're just a, they almost just add like another kind of texture like an instrument it's very very cool lots more uh, Junior Brother talk to come as well that night the rage of thunder burned across his chest he gathered up his hunters and rounded up his men and they searched along Yeah, Maya Sophie is great. Uh, similar to Keelan, like she's had so much potential for so long, and I'm glad that it's all come together on Bath Time, the debut album which you released uh, towards the end of November. Orla Gartland is number seven for me with Why Am I Like This? It's one of a number of singles that she's released over the years. She's based in London. I think she's from Dublin. She moved over to London a good few years ago and uh, she just releases pop banger after pop banger, I think. And this one is kind of a little bit more personal. Maybe it's kind of similar to um, the Saint Sister track uh, that I mentioned earlier, but it's very inward looking song, but it's just built around a really, really great hook. She says uh, that with this song, which came out in February. It was There's an EP of the same name. Uh, she says that she's trying to figure out uh, why I am the way I am. And these are her super formative years that she didn't go to uni. Uh, she just came to uh, London to do music and she wanted to present these songs to people and maybe have them ask themselves the same questions about themselves and to look inwards rather than always be thinking about other people. So I think that's a really nice message behind it and it helps that it's just really, really catchy. I think Orla Gartland is great and... She has released a number of songs across the year, and I'm hoping that she's got an album in the offing for uh, 2020. I, I don't know about you, but I always have to catch myself when I mention the year because I feel like, what year is it next? I know. Yeah. I never know what year it is. Just like I never know what a song title is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as I mentioned, Keelan Sherlock is my number six. What about you, number my six? My number six is Girl Band and Prefab Castle. Um, toward, which comes towards the end of their album, The Talkies. Um, it's one of the longer songs. I think it's maybe eight minutes long. But within that eight minutes, there's just 
about 50 million songs within that again it's that thing of a band who are comfortable with very spacious arrangements taking their time to get to the reach the end point and what I loved as well about this song is how they really incorporated the sound of the house that they recorded it in balance aggregate house yeah I just thought that this song towards the end as well has some really really beautiful moments and like bursts of light in like how the instruments kind of take shape and yeah it was just for me it's one of the standout songs on that album because it was just so different and a real standalone piece in itself you've seen them a few times did they play that song uh, i think so yeah yeah <laughs> uh, um yeah they played most of the new album um when i saw them on the first half of their uh european tour at the start of november yeah all of the new stuff sounded great i i didn't pick out a track for these top 10 tracks from girl band just because i think the album works really really well as a whole mm. so I'll, i might talk about some of the stuff there that's one of the things when you're talking about tracks and albums you know you could easily just pick 10 tracks from the albums but i tried to pick um a, a couple of other ones out even though my top my top couple of songs all are on albums that i'm gonna discuss as well but yeah girl band are great i'm just so happy to have them back uh it's just great having them back and that track is just them moving everything on. It's like just as everybody else seems to catch up with girl band, lots of bands are citing them as an influence. They kind of move on to the next stage and it seems like an effortless thing as well. Mm, yeah, they do sound, even though there is a lot of there are a lot of similarities um, in the talkies, they do sound like a completely new band, I thought, um, on, on this album, which is really cool. And and very, louder. Very loud. Very yeah. loud scary as well yeah yeah <laughs> um completely different choice for me at number five it's Ottramond with on the record which is just an absolutely killer pop song just so good from the very second i press play and those opening few chords hit i'm just like yes <laughs> yes this will this will do me and then there's a sax uh, solo on there as well which is brilliant I think this is one of three or four singles that they've released over the course of 2019 and it's the highlight for me and I can't wait to hear more from them they're led by Patty Hanna and a couple of people uh, who would have featured on the bands that were associated with Popkill Island and all of that jazz so um, you might be familiar enough with the sound and I just love just how 80s it is yeah. it's just really really great their live shows are always very fun oh, i can't well. wait to see them live i haven't yeah. seen them live oh they're they are but they're really good yeah they're one of those bands who kind of doesn't seem stuck to one genre either it's like they're not just indie pop you know they can easily go into like the funkiest of 80s music um heavy uh krautrock stuff as well they released like an eight minute long song last year that i loved so yeah looking forward to hearing a lot more from Ottoman. Oh, 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 oh,
what's next for you next for me uh numero sank yeah yeah uh, i don't know about your language i, I don't think <laughs> <laughs> like i never said i was fluent in anything not even english my number five is tandem felix's bravo maestro i am a huge fan of this song i really enjoyed hearing it initially at their live shows last year before the album their debut rom-com came out in october um i just love the story in this song i love the lyrics um i think that um david topley their kind of chief lyricist is a very good writer and is very good at creating very um fully realized worlds especially with this song i was actually listening to it again last night and the imagery is just so vivid in it um i love the instrumentation as well on this song i think it's really beautiful it's one of the slower tracks on the album as well isn't it yeah um i just think it's a really stunning song and very well executed and it's always um anytime i've seen them live recently it's always um a highlight and yeah that would be my number five Okay, moving moving up. Denise Tyler, I have three tracks down for Denise Tyler just because she released a kind of a double A side, whatever that means in 2019. Carpet Bullet and Dual Citizenship, which you almost can't hear one without hearing the other. And she also released a track called Man, or she was featured on a track called Man Like Me that featured on my favorite EP of 2019 from SimSim Sound System. Denise is one of those people again who's kind of been talked about and everybody can see her potential um, and maybe it's taken her a while to kind of get the confidence to put stuff out. She's part of the Russingano family collective, I guess the Russingano family family at this stage um, and uh, she featured on their Choice Prize winning album a few years ago she she was primarily is primarily a spoken word poet and so she's channeling that now into this kind of um rap guys i'm not sure what she's going to do next but as a statement of intent as a debut statement of intent i think uh these two or three tracks are absolutely brilliant she says the copper bullet is a celebration of confidence a personal anthem of joy after a long period of self-doubt and stagnation and dual citizenship is uh just a really really powerful uh message of belonging she's referencing ku cullen and she's referencing copper in the blood which is about um copper mining in zambia and conor o'brien actually played uh played dual citizenship when uh he was a guest of killian murphy um on his six music show which was a brilliant show one of the highlights of the year for me was killian murphy hosting that afternoon show on bbc six music yeah conor loves it i love it that's my uh endorsement right there very nice yeah uh she's brilliant she's so great and yeah, and production comes from Merley as well, who I could have featured him in here as well, but I think he's going to do um, more amazing things in 2020. So like him and God knows and Denise, it's just an unbelievable 
sound that they're creating uh, from their bass in Limerick, Claire, um, God knows, was probably like my favorite guest on the podcast this year. He's an inspiring guy to talk with, and uh, he's featured on a lot of tracks over the years, over the course of these 12 months as well. So I, I could easily have done my top 10 favorite Merle, God knows, and Denise Tyler <laughs> tracks. But I said I'd just uh, throw Denise in there. Um, moving yeah, on up. That episode actually with God knows is brilliant. Oh, I really, he's brilliant. He's very, you, very cool. You guy. listen to it and uh, you just feel better after hearing it. Yeah. It's, it's like a, a motivational speaker or something. Oh, he's amazing. I love that episode so much. Um, so my number four is, we mentioned him earlier on, and it is Stephen Tiernan, who is also, who plays as participant. Um, he released an EP, I think it was in October, called Modern Retelling. And the song that I have included from that is A Year of Things I Didn't Say. I believe it's the opening song. I think it's the first track. It's just a really gorgeous song. I'll never forget the first time I stuck the EP on. I was walking to work and this song came on and I almost started to cry. Like walking oh, wow. down there. Yeah. Um, just the combination of the strings in the song, the very, you know, paired back um, arrangement. And then his voice is just really beautiful um evocative and very full of emotion full of emotion yeah so you really kind of the weight of all of the things that he says in that song just hits that bit harder because there is just such a genuineness in his delivery um he again he's another amazing live performer i've seen him a couple of times not as many as i would have liked to but i just thought that this song was really strong very affecting and i'm really looking forward to more new releases from him especially because that ep was absolutely brilliant um and i hope that it finds lots and lots of ears to listen to it yeah i think he's um he's figuring out his sound as Mm. well i think it might have taken him a little while to to figure out his leash but i think he's got there now yeah he's another one he's gonna be great um Moving into the business end of the Irish tracks, I've gone for Junior Brother Purple Circle, which is the longest and weirdest song of his brilliant debut album that I'll mention uh, a little bit later on, Pull the Right Rope. Purple Circle is almost prog. Uh, it's it's so weird and uh, it's just like when you think of Junior Brother and you think of his eccentricities, I think this best encapsulates it. I saw him at Connolly's of Lep in august i think it was or the start of september and he initially wasn't going to do this but he got such a uh vociferous response that uh he was like okay i'll, I'll do it do an encore and he picked this as the encore and i was oh talking God, to him afterwards i was like that's a strange song for an encore and he was like yeah i didn't have any more tracks <laughs> so uh yeah i think it's uh I, it stopped me in my tracks the first well no i was sitting down so it didn't actually stop me in my tracks but i was like what is this it nearly knocked you off your seat it knocked me off my seat um uh it's just on an album that sounds like nothing else that's come out of ireland i think purple circle sounds like nothing else on that album as well so that's my number three my number three is actually also junior brother but it's the back of her oh so good we could pick any song from that album so great yeah the back of her is great that was a, a, d- a double release with um Pig. yeah yeah that was a great ep actually as well i was listening to that um again this morning but the back of her i just love i don't mean to for this to sound in a bad way or disrespectful to ronan in his musicianship but there's a feral quality to his 
delivery in both his vocals and how he absolutely thunders away on his guitar that I love. I love the wildness throughout that album, but especially on this song because it's like kind of one of the more honed in moments where there's a bit more of a familiar song structure but there's still that kind of lingering wildness to it and I love it I love how yeah just like how woodlandy he is like you can really just picture him in the middle of a forest singing this have you seen him live a few times yeah. yeah like this track i feel is the one where if you brought someone who didn't know who junior brother is like if they're watching i think that's the one where it's like your jaw hits the floor just yeah. because it's it's really evocative mm. it's like it's so nice as well it's uh like it's a proper love song and uh yeah i think he's he's great and that yeah that track is great moving on to number two for me i've gone for fontaine's dc television screens which was one of the new tracks that we hadn't heard from fontaine's dc off uh their debut album doggerel and uh i wasn't expecting it it sounds quite 80s um and i just love every single moment of it um on an album which already felt familiar this one kind of felt like they're maybe moving on and i saw them playing in belgium with girlman and they had another two tracks uh that were brand new as well so i and They've announced a gig in the Ivy Garden for the middle of the summer as well. Uh, they had a huge 2019 and I mean, they're only going to get more popular and television screens, I think, is just absolutely sensational. I think it's great. Cool. My number two is The Bonk with Mayfane. It was, I think it's only actually available to listen to on their band camp. Um, another great platform. If a song isn't on Spotify, does it exist, Sarah? It does. It's on Bandcamp. <laughs> Bandcamp is great. I actually only got the app from my phone. I definitely recommend Ooh, it for getting it on your phone. The app. It's really, really good. Is Buy it? a track and it's it's there for it's there forever <laughs> on your phone. follows after they released uh the bonk seems to be a verb ep last year one of the things as well that i love about the bonk is the like jokiness within 
the kind within the songs um they're almost kind of like easter eggs is that what they call them in yeah mm, yeah kind of like an easter egg um so this is actually spelt like may the month and then feign as in like i feign to oh okay okay yeah um but then it also kind of works in that like may feign as in the irish for myself so a bit of linguistic excellence <laughs> going on there but yeah the bonk is phil christie from um o emperor he's kind of the brain and the fingers of the organ for this project and then he's got an amazing amazing band behind him with um dan walsh he plays with him um phil o'gorman plays with him just a really exciting um very improvisational um very kind of 70s frank zappa ish kind of captain b party so if you like things that again are a bit wild and feral in <laughs> musical terms the bonk is definitely um one that i would recommend to check out and this song is just so jaunty and jangly and the vocals just work really well with it too so yeah it's a very very um fun and exuberant song <laughs> i wonder do we have the same number one uh irish track the world rover by yeah that's Langford. my number one <laughs> ah great uh, high five <laughs> man like this is unbelievable it's one of the most phenomenal songs i have heard in recent years it really stopped me in my track the fr- when i stuck the album on initially so much so that i actually didn't recognize it as the wild rover that we all know from mm. say the dubliners i was just like oh that's a bit of a coincidence it has the same name as that other song the wild rover because it just sounds so different it, it's a different version of the track um dara in an interview with siobhan long in the irish times around the release of the album says that uh this version is sung by donald mcguire so it's a different version of of the track yeah i think rady pete's vocals on this song are just she has such an amazing ability to create and become characters within the songs where you almost forget that you're listening to a singer like you feel that this is actually her experiences in that this is an old song it's not something that they've written from their own experience um but she very much easily encapsulates the emotions of the words i kind of felt like i heard this song and felt heard the story of the song for the first time properly through this version um i think the sentiment really got not no disrespect to the dubliners and anyone else who's done a version of it but i just felt that there was a real sincerity to this one the instrumentation the arrangement is just fucking incredible (laughs) and i am sorry to curse but it is it just blew me over every time I listened to it and like I got so swept up and when it just changes and becomes so so dramatic and enveloping and like it's 10 minutes long but it never feels like it's 10 minutes and you could almost have a whole album of just that one song um it's just absolutely amazing and I think they're such a fantastic band I think they're doing wonders for really bringing forth um traditional and folk music and 
making it exciting and fresh and something for people especially younger generations to get into it and appreciate the craftsmanship of the songs yeah it's so eerie as well and like it opens the album as well like as opening tracks go for a 10 minute track like this where you're just like it's 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 not scary but it's just so like like nothing else on the on my list uh, maybe apart from junior brothers Mm. nine minute track which is like it's it's unbelievable like i think it's an easy song of the year Mm. i think it's an easy song of the year yeah so yeah it was a really great year for uh songs but i think it's been an exceptional year for irish albums so we might move on to that now We'll go back to number 10. Sorka Richardson, First Prize Bravery, is number 10 uh, for me. I think it's a really great pop album. I could have easily picked out uh, High in the Garden as one of my songs of the year. It's um, an album track. I don't think it's been released as a single, but um, she lived in Brooklyn, or lived in New York anyway, for uh, a couple of years and moved back to Dublin a year or two ago. And she's just been busy making this album. She's had a couple of hits on Spotify. She's had a couple of big plays on a couple of singles so uh, it's great to hear her just really come together on uh this album and put out a full capsule of 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 this and it's a real uplifting listen one disappointment is that it didn't come out on the other side of summer i think it's got summer written all over it it's very uh vivid vibes it just makes you want to call up a friend and go for cans in the in the park down by the <laughs> where, where did dublin cans people in drink the gardens <laughs> yeah yeah cans in the garden yeah dublin people drink by um in portobello isn't it uh, I don't know what you're talking about, and that's illegal. Okay. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think uh, I think uh, it's a really great uh, album. I think that's the most recent album as well that's on my um, top it's ten. So that's my recency bias. Very out of the well, way very well produced that album, yeah. and it's got a great flow to it. The songs um, are really well sequenced. I think. It's, yeah. yeah, no, it is. It's a very, very, very good album. And she's a great songwriter mm. as well, and. Yeah, looking looking forward to just listening to this more and more. Uh, maybe next summer. <laughs> and put it away until then. Yeah, so my number 10 is Dahi's Loss. Yeah, I just thought this album was really fun to listen to. Um, I saw him live in the Button Factory. And there's just a great oh, wow. energy and exuberance and vibrancy to his arrangements. And he has lots of guests on it, and they were all there on the night. A lot of guests. They were all there except for Paul Noonan. Oh, okay. Um, actually, that song, the po- the song he did with Paul Noonan, "Take the Wheel," I really loved that mm, when it yeah. came out, and I was really shocked by it, and that it was such a departure from what I had always kind of expected and known from Dahi. Like this, that song almost kind of tapped into a bit of like Nick Cave with like um with Paul's vocals and just the tone of the song but it's just a very dynamic album there's songs that are quite um introspective that are quite spooky and eerie and then there's just like you know the classic bangers um, and yeah. so it has a bit of everything and it's actually a really good album to stick on if you're doing a bit of work critically is it an album that you can kind of say like a lot of the songs have been released beforehand or released as EPs like over the course of like two years like that was always its plan kind of put out two singles at a time um and then release an album like he had that plan middle of last year when we first heard that take the wheel I think he went off to uh, France after a breakup and packed all of his equipment away and went over 
uh, like got the ferry to France and uh, just worked on a lot of these tracks for two or three weeks. Just really, really intense. And it's definitely paid off for him. It's brilliant. But I just wonder, like, if this does get nominated for the Choice Prize, like, will it be one that will that be a point against it? You know, that we've heard all of these tracks before. I don't know. Is that a, a thing that you can throw at uh fontaine's dc as well that a lot of the tracks on their album were singles as well like a year or two ago i think it's interesting i think it's one of the interesting things about um like the way that music works now is that like like five of these tracks were on spotify six months ago and now they're just kind of grouped together now i I think dahi's album is brilliant don't get me wrong but i just wonder critically can you can, can you throw that at it it can work for and against the songs and for and against the album in that I think the songs when the album does eventually come out and if the artist has released a good chunk of it prior like prior to the release of the album it can kind of make the song sometimes sound fresh again because you're hearing it within the context of an overall narrative and in the case of Dahi's album in particular this album was kind of threaded um by a theme of loss and reactions to that and sometimes it did you know when you hear one song kind of go into another it makes you recontextualize the song or hear completely fresh and it kind of gives it a new life form so in that regard I I do think that this worked really well but sometimes it like it does go against where that was one of my gripes with Big Thief's one of their UFO the first one yeah because there was a few songs on that that featured on her solo album oh okay yeah yeah um we'll uh, talk about that later (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah I I think Dahi is kind of underrated I think people have him in his mind as this one artist when he was maybe more commercial when he was signed to a major label and I think now the stuff that he's doing is unbelievable uh like Orange the track that he did with David Tapley of Dandem Felix no Lavender Lavender, yeah. the uh, it was released with orange, with um, Sinead White, White yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, um, I think that was one of my favorite songs of last year. So people won't care about that like in a year's time. You know, they'll go back to the album. They won't be thinking about like, well, actually, that was you know released a year ago. So I, I, I just think it's a, it's an interesting point. It'll be interesting to see if it does get nominated for the choice. Okay, a Lazarus Soul. The D they put between the R and L is my number nine. This is a great album. This is kind of like a mix of trad and kind of rock music Lazarus Soul are one of those bands who've been around for a long time they've been around for about 20 years and they worked on this album for a long while as well it it took a long time coming together and I think uh it's just really really great it's um very vivid really really interesting what they do with it um the track Long Balconies is the standout on it I thought that it was kind of an angry protest album but uh they kind of disagree I interviewed them um for the podcast if people want to go back and listen to that and hear what he has to say about it Brian Brannigan the um the chief singer in uh Lazarus Soul but yeah the D they put between the R and L do you know how what it means the the title it's it's Dublin kind of slang it's like um girdle you know the way that the pronunciation is it's yeah. literally the d that people put between like girl girdle oh ah, yeah so, that's uh, great yeah that's nice me as a non-dublin person i don't know if i can pull it off but anyway <laughs> girdle girdle <laughs> and worldled <laughs> my number nine is um fixity's album uh no man can tell um again 
This is Dan Walsh, uh, Cork-based. Yeah. Yeah, Cork-based musician. Was listening to jazz from, I think, a very young age. And um, that really comes across in all of the musical projects, really, that he comes, um, that he's involved in. And I think he's involved in quite a few. Yeah. As I think Busy all man. kind of Cork, Waterford bands they all seem to like work very well together this album is instrumental and again it's just a very vibrant very striking album it's a great one to stick on if you're cleaning i found that today (laughs) 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 just because it's so frantic sometimes in its pace so it really that franticness kind of rubs off on the listener what i felt when i was uh polishing and there's just such an by the sounds of this album anyway i actually haven't seen fixity live they played i think in on show before the summer and i really really wanted to go and see them but just didn't work out um i would love to see them live to see how the songs take shape whether they add extra kind of elements to the songs which i'm sure possibly they might do by like kind of stretching kind of um pieces out within the within the songs i just think there's a really raw natural talent in this album and you know you can't miss that when you hear it um in a song in a in an album and it's always just very um exciting to hear i think and that's why i like this (laughs) (laughs) um it's all improv as well and Mm. it was done really really quickly as well i think it was recorded in like a a couple of days um i think in sweden but i'm not 100 percent sure um so sorry dan if you're listening but yeah it's great and yeah they're a phenomenal live live band like the album you kind of don't know where it's taking you next uh, so yeah, fix fixity are great as well. Um, I have Lancome the Live Long Day as my number eight. We kind of mentioned it already. Uh, it's a really really strong album. I know you gave it five stars, five stars, five stars all round uh, when you reviewed it for I Arena. Did. So I know that you love this album as well. Um, this is their third album, and maybe it's their most confident. I talked to Dara just before he went in the studio, as in literally two days beforehand, and he was just saying a lot of drones. It's gonna be a lot of drones on the album. He was not kidding. There is a lot of drones on it, and it. That's one of the things. Like I think folk and trad music, and it's kind of resurgence among young people and among um like i don't know critical circles maybe uh is one of the themes of uh the decade and i think that lancome are one of the main reasons why just because they do a couple of new songs uh on this album but uh it's in the arranging of some of the old tracks as well which are just like so interesting such a great band maybe we'll talk about them later on uh with your with your um when it features on your list i I won't reveal anything spoiler (laughs) um my number eight is fion regan's album kala um this album was it was a a strange exactly came and went like so quickly it it was such a silent release like i don't even remember hearing or seeing quite a lot of press for it even reviews i didn't really see that many reviews there was one definitely i think in the quietest but other than that it was a real unless you've you frequent his um spotify page often which i do um you wouldn't have seen it but it's just a really lovely um album very much kind of in keeping with his earlier output the meeting of the waters kind of ventured into a bit more electronic-y and um elaborate 
soundscapes. But this one was just very acoustic, very stripped back, um, just Fionn doing his really great finger picking that he does on that guitar. Do you think he kind of um like just doesn't like talking about it that he didn't do much press about it that he is he just kind of like almost a musician's musician? I imagine at this so. Stage? Yeah, I kind of and that's fair enough. Like mm. um. I often think about how it's really bizarre how musicians are expected to kind of have to always explain themselves and explain their work. Yeah, yeah. um, It it makes my life a lot easier. I know. Well, like, well, you're very good at doing it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I guess it is just that case of he doesn't really dance that whole music industry dance, um, and is just really in it for the love of it. And you can really tell because his lyricism is only getting stronger. Um, he's a very emotive and kind of similar to say Stephen with participant just one of those artists that can really stop you in your tracks um if his wording of a certain phrase or in carrying across um a certain emotion comes out very well he's very very good at just kind of getting you right in the pit of the stomach (laughs) i have to listen to that album i think i might have listened to it once and just kind of yeah kind of one and done um yeah I, i i think he has a couple of good songs but i don't know if I think his album work is that great. I didn't really like his last album, but I'll give this another okay. go. It featured highly on your list, so I'll give it another go, Zara. Next up for me is Soak's second album, Grimtown, which I was very excited about um, when she announced it. She kind of went away after winning the Choice Prize and working a lot. She's moved out of Northern Ireland as well. She's moved to um, Manchester. I don't know if that affects her sound or something, but I really like the imagery that's associated with this. She seems a lot um camera in her skin maybe a little bit the first album is called before we forgot how to dream she was just a teenager when she recorded it she's in her early 20s now and she uh recorded up in attica audio studio in donegal with tommy mclaughlin who always does a great job and i just really really like um like i i love so many songs on this album like valentine schmalentine is a really cool song i think uh she's got some just really really good pop tracks on it knock me off my feet maybe and uh i think there's a really good story running through them as well there's a great there's a song on that album is it everybody loves you i love that song Mm. that's yeah really really nice such a vast um such a vast sound to it and very kind of like that classic 60s like love song uh loved that song from that album it's it's a long one it's 57 minutes long altogether um maybe it's a little baggy but uh um maybe it's one of those where you make a playlist Mm. you just take your favorite songs but i haven't done that because albums are there for a reason damn it anyway sorry beginning middle and end (laughs) (laughs) sorry sorry Um, i don't know where that came from my number seven album um another band from the north it is careerist their album is called it's a debut it's called weird hill this is a band i have been in love with for i think about three years at this stage they were originally called hot cops i remember seeing them live in the bellow bar and i was just blown away by them they're incredible musicians it's a three-piece it's in indie pop indie pop with like kind they're often likened to say like pavement and they do have a bit of a slacker edge to them um carl eccles the lyricist is just such an enigmatic front man he is so cool 
his voice is really great his lyricism is so interesting as well um their songs are so diverse especially on this album like like what we were saying earlier there was a few singles released from this album before it came out but then hearing them within this context is really fresh and it was really great um but they're just such an exciting live band and this album it's really short it's only 25 or 27 minutes long or so it's not even an album (laughs) sorry sorry (laughs) yes it is own would it get nominated for the choice prize might be too short um i'm not too sure though but yeah no i just thought it was really great it's very fun album lots of really cool guitar parts going on very heavy bumbly bass lines as well which is always great but if you do get a chance to see careerist live do because they are such an exhilarating band so yeah they're released on pizza pizza records as well yeah. aren't they from dundalk who have a really great hit rate and have just mustard on their uh, on their roster so they must be doing something right both uh, pizza pizza and um careerist mm. uh jafaris stride is number six for me one of the rap albums that really stood out for me this year i think jafaris is it's just a really really cool album um it's also quite heavily influenced by god which is something that i don't know maybe Maybe it's just rap's maturity or something that people are, are you know, you're you're not singing about, you know, the typical themes that you might have associated with rap. I mean, like, look at Kanye West literally releasing a Christian album uh, this year. If that features on any best of list this year, I mean, like, come on, it's an absolutely Ridiculous. atrocious album. Yeah. Uh, but that's Kanye West. This is uh, Jafaris. Um, it, it's reminiscent of Chance Rapper just in terms of content, but also the way it effortlessly kind of goes through the different styles of the music as well. And he sounds really confident and supposedly he's great live. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Hopefully at some stage I haven't been able to catch him uh, yet. And he's really young as well. So uh, as as um, first albums go straight, uh, mm. I'm not going to do it. It just strides onto stage. Oh dear. Know, just... Oh dear. Yeah, I listened to it. I actually need to go back to it and give it a good thorough um, listening. But it's very, very strong, especially for a debut album. Um, the production on it is exceptional. Yeah, it's Diffusion Labs who he worked with on it, who I don't actually know that much about. I'd like to read more or hear more about Diffusion Labs and the way that they work. They seem to have like a hold on like a lot of the young rappers who are coming through. They seem to have a really good way of fostering and developing the artists that they work with. And they're very good at... I think instilling that like sense of confidence in them. Um, I know another artist that they have is Soleil and she's phenomenal and just the amount of critical acclaim that she's getting, um, the plays on radio as well, it's great. Um, but I've seen her live once or twice and she's just such a confident and commanding presence when she's on stage. And I think that's maybe something that Diffusion are 
are instilling maybe in the artists that they're working with and that's why we're getting such strong work from them so early on which is great because it only means that further on in their careers they're only hopefully going to get better and better and yeah like there's a couple of standout tracks on uh stride as well um that you could easily imagine hearing on the radio like sole has been all over mm. daytime radio with mm. um a couple of her tracks this year but uh you can continue on your list so my number six uh is girl band the talkies uh very good yeah um, number it's, we'll get this out of the way now so it's my number four the talkies oh cool close enough close enough yeah <laughs> four and six yeah um at the start of the year if you had told me there was a new girl band album coming uh, i would have said like oh my god give it to me like i'm pretty sure I, I was like that at the start of the year and on hearing it uh it it definitely just didn't disappoint i think it's brilliant like mm. i said earlier they've moved everything on mm, yeah I remember as well, like when we got the first um, introduction to the album, which was Shoulder Blades, and that was about six or seven minutes long. And I remember the very first time I listened to it, um, I was walking down the keys and I was just throttled from location to location in my mind where they have that quality with their music where they just chop and change so much and so quickly and so seamlessly where there was times within shoulder blades where I thought that I was in like an industrial warehouse in Berlin where all the raves happened and then I felt like I was inside a whale's stomach because it just had like such a hollow sound and such a nocturnal album another album that just really envelops you you kind of almost feel a bit stagnant when you're listening to it or that you need to be stagnant when you're listening to it because just so much is hurled at you and it's such an intense record and um, it's very arresting it's very unforgiving to the listener Um, it really throws you into the deep end especially with the opening song where um it's literally Derek Healy the frontman a recording of him having a panic attack and him like easing himself out of that um so it's not an easy listen and then as you kind of as you were saying earlier listening to that album as a whole is really important because they were inspired by Marvin Gaye's what's going on in how they present how they bookended it so with the start of the album there's that um very harrowing and very anxious feeling and then by the end of it everything just feels very calm and it feels like a very assured exhale and throughout the album what I found really interesting this is something about girl band as well especially with this album was I found myself introduced to new words and new phrases they encouraged me to do a lot of research and to look up what they were saying because I was really interested in what they're saying because they're a band as well who do have a lot of like in jokes in their lyrics but behind the jokes there is I feel a lot of purpose behind what they say so that's maybe why they kind of command my attention and make me a bit more curious which I always think is a really amazing thing that a, a musician can do to make someone curious and make them want to learn more and I found that I did that throughout the talkies and even through that intensity there are so many beautiful moments with like the guitar parts in it there's some really shimmery moments and I just loved how unpredictable it is as an album 
yeah, I think unpredictable is the word. There's a lot of rules with the album as well, though, that they've mentioned. Like, Dara has kind of almost... I don't know. I think he, he might be a little bit underrated as a songwriter, I think. Maybe it's because it's so hard to hear some of the lyrics that he's saying. But um, he was at pains to kind of say that, like... Uh, you know, there's no pronouns on the album. He kind of set himself that task of can you write an album without saying I, me, you, he, we. Uh, and I mean, it's just an interesting tidbit. He also said that it's it's kind of all in A and there's not much um, snare on the album either, which is interesting. Um, just as maybe something to keep you, entice you back and, and you listen to different parts as well, because I think they're all phenomenal at what they do. I think Dan is one of the best um, bassists in the country. I think he's one of the best producers in the country. He produced the album uh, himself. The band produced it, I think. Um, and Alan is just just loves noise and creating all of these amazing noises uh, that you hear with the guitar. And I think Adam is almost like an underrated uh, drummer at this stage. You know, it feels like he's happy to kind of be at the back of the room and to, uh, you know, let everybody else showcase their stuff. But man, those drums are brilliant. The hi-hat at the start of going Norway, it's very rare that I would be able to uh, point out a hi-hat that I love in a song. But man, once that, once that gets going, it just like instantly like sets you on edge sort of thing for what's to come. Going Norway is probably my favorite track on the album, but I love the second half of it. I love the last like four or five songs, which it's like they all flow really well together, but they're, they're all doing their, their own thing as well and uh there's so much interesting stuff going on oh it's just they're a phenomenal band and it's so great to have them back like just so great to have them back yeah. uh th <laughs> like when i saw them live in manchester the first gig of their uh tour that was what a girl standing beside me beside me kept kind of saying and shouting saying to her friend shouting at the band it's just so good to have you back oh that's so nice. yeah and oh. it's great to have them back number five on my list is anamika with idle mind which i think is an album that maybe might not have reached as many ears as i think it deserves i think it's a really really great uh album she uh would be known to people who might have seen e vagabonds play she supported e vagabonds a few times and brian from the band plays with her as well on stage and uh i think she's a great songwriter really really vivid she plays a bazooki a lot and there's lots of really interesting things going on um on that album i think it's uh i think it's great and i think she's got such a lovely voice as well i think it's uh it's really jaw-droppingly good mm, yeah it, she's very striking i remember seeing her very briefly at another love story maybe two years ago um and just watching the crowd was actually even more entertaining almost not in a like a diss at her music i think she's great um but it was really entertaining watching the crowd because everyone was just completely hypnotized you fall in love with the tracks you know, there's some real kind of almost call and response choruses in there. Like if she wanted to, she could be like, uh, I don't know, like m maybe more obvious on stage or something. But what she does on stage, I think is great. I think she it's it's almost dreamlike what she does. And I, I love this album. One of my favorite memories of the year was uh, driving back with a group of friends from Limerick late at night. And we put this album on and we were all just singing along to it just because it's so nice to sing along with i think it's a brilliant album couldn't recommend it highly enough my number five is maya sophia bath time okay it's it's an album that came out quite late so i haven't yeah. really delved into it i haven't, I haven't uh soaked it in 
very nice very nice um yeah no again as just to kind of repeat what we said earlier about her is just she's a very exciting artist she's a very authentic artist um a great songwriter this album is very affecting um and it's really one that i think is great to listen to on headphones it's a very kind of introspective album and one to one that you kind of just want to listen to by yourself um you don't really want to share with with anyone else or it feels intimate sort of thing it's incredibly intimate which is a huge part of the charm to it where you feel like she's very much just talking to you and telling you these stories and singing these songs for you um the music that across is beautiful there's some nice harp on it um it's very much kind of just focused on you know electric guitar which um Maya plays um it's kind she has a bit of a hybrid of say a PJ Harvey and a Kate Bush to her um but in saying that she is very much her own artist and is has done a really great job at setting out her own style early on um even though there are kind of traces of her influences she's never derivative which i feel is um something that you hear across a lot of albums that came out this year from ireland that i didn't really like that maybe own did um (laughs) but yeah i just think there's a great authenticity to her and i think she's got an amazing career ahead of her i thought you were going to say an amazing voice her voice does have an amazing voice as well yeah Yeah. absolutely uh so girl band the talkies is my number four very nice my number four is tandem felix rom-com which is my number three Ah! great we're we're in tandem with each other Uh, tell me why you love uh, Tandem Felix. You already talked about one of the songs on it earlier. What I love about them is just, again, the songwriting is so strong. Um, I love the alt-country tinge across the arrangements. I would be a big fan of, say, Wilco, um, which are, I think, a big influence across these songs. I love David Tapley's voice. I think he's got a very inviting and warm vocal. And just the the arrangements are so strong. Um, It's an album that goes by so quickly. And you almost kind of can't believe how quickly you reach the end. The songs are also quite sprawling. They're very detailed. They're just really nice like vignettes. And again, the imagery in them is just so strong where you can picture the songs as he is... Um, singing them so I think that's a really great quality to have in an album I think it's really assured Mm. as well like he seems quite confident in everything about the album and like I talked to him for the point of everything podcast um around the release of the album that was one of my favorite interviews of the year as well really liked uh hearing what he had to say about it and one of the things was that you know he was working on this album for a long time it's a couple of years in the works and it kind of does feel like that there's a lot going on there's a lot of layers on the album and I think that that comes through I think his songwriting is uh superb the fact that he didn't put on put on probably like their 
the best tandem Felix song, which is um uh why did they crucify the birthday boy? Or were you there when they crucified? Were you there when they crucified? It's the best song, but I don't know the song title, <laughs> which was nominated for Choice Prize Song of the Year a couple of years ago. It's all new songs that I hadn't that weren't familiar to me going into the album. You know, it it wasn't just a collection of what came before. It's like these are the new tandem Felix uh songs for a specific album, and they all flow really really well. Uh, Mother Teresa, the Butcher of Albania, Part One great and Two. Songs. Really um, great songs. Over Yonder is probably my favorite track on it, which is also probably like uh, the most alt country mm. type of song on it as well. But yeah, I just love the confidence, and I love that he set out to write an album, and I think that that's exactly what he's done. It's yeah. it's one of the strongest like start to finish yeah. uh, albums uh, of recent years, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. From start to finish, it works so well. It has such a lovely pace to it, and. It really keeps you interested as well in the initially subtle kind of layers and textures that he puts into the songs, be it like um, the crashing, well, this is not subtle at all, but the crashing thud at the start of Bravo Maestro to like a car engine and like a radio kind of bit to even like just the synth arpeggios that kind of float around across. It's just a very dynamic album. Uh, I don't think that I've recommended an album to people as much as I've recommended this. I feel like, you know, it's one that I just want people to listen to because I, I, I don't know who would dislike this album. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was my number uh, three. So you beat me to the punch there. So you can continue on your list. So my Will number... you get my number two? <laughs> you definitely won't. <laughs> so my number three is Maria Somerville's album, All My People. This came out... Was it the start of the summer? I think it was. No, I um, think it was earlier than that. I think it was Feb. Yeah, I think it was February or March or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, around a long time. It it's has... only like seven tracks long. Yeah, what I love about Maria Somerville's music and especially on, across this album is the lo-fi quality to it. Um, I love that kind of fuzzy sound. That's very like bedroom recorded quality. I absolutely love that sometimes m- more so i would prefer that style of recording to the really really highly polished very clean um clean album cleanly produced albums just because there's a rawness there and it really makes you feel like you're in a bubble or something um i think her vocals across this album are so nice um i love the dreaminess of it it's just a very very calming and serene album but there is still a bit of grit to it which I like because it doesn't feel like one big long song that bleeds into each other each song really has its own kind of distinct personality and yeah I'm really excited for more from her um she's an artist that I'm she's kind of at the top of my list now of who I want to see live and um, I've never seen her live before and I was really excited the other day I saw that she's announced a show in the Project Arts Theatre Centre in Dublin at the end of December. Um, so I'll be for sure going to that because um, I think she's great. Yeah, I, I like this album, but I think I wanted a little bit more from it. I don't know, is it is it long enough or something to really take you away? That, that was my feeling, but maybe I just haven't given it enough uh, time. I do like her voice, um, but I, th- I think there was something a little bit lacking for me with the album, to okay. be honest. Okay. Sorry. And so on to my number two album of the year, which is uh, one of the biggest albums of the year, Fontaine's DC, Dog Roll. Do you have anything to say about this album, Sarah? Um, 
yeah. So Fontaines are a band that I haven't entirely warmed to. Um, I think it goes back to my f- the necessity for me for an artist to feel and be authentic in their music. And that is just something that I feel Fontaine's lack. I think they lack a lot of authenticity. Um, their music is just very derivative for me. There's not much imagination, I think, across the album. I think it just sounds very much like they're pulling from, um, you know, like Joy Division and stone roses sometimes at times you can say the cure as well the cure, cure absolutely yeah as well, which yeah. was surprising yeah when yeah they are when you're listening to dog Rill, it is kind of surprising when you think god this kind of reminds me of such and such um i really think that their lyricism is not as strong as what people say it is um i find them to be quite arrogant in that regard and um just nothing about this album really engaged me or captivated me i I don't know how i don't know how people can say that though um i've stayed silent long enough damn it uh i think big is just an unbelievable statement of intent i think the way the whole album just swaggers uh i think it just carries itself with such uh not cocky but a real assuredness uh I would say it's it really a cockiness. believes in itself, um, mm. and I, th- I think there are songs that you can't ignore. Boys in the Better Land, which was re-recorded, it I didn't like it at first, and I think it's it's really good now. It's kind of got a slightly different guitar uh, thing going on, but um, I don't know. I think it's brilliant. I think Green is a great front man, but just taking the album uh, on itself, I just think uh, he's got a, a really great delivery, and uh, I think he's I think he's brilliant. What, like. One thing that I will say is that last track is awful. I think it's terrible. I don't know why it's on there other than maybe just to paint it as like this is the the Dublin icing on the cake. And that seems to be one thing that when people talk about the authenticity, I think maybe it's just because they've talked about it so much that it kind of, people are so willing to throw it back in their face. I think it's a little unfair. I think people are judging them before they actually give them any time. I think a lot of people are judging, misjudging them without actually like critically listening to the album um i think they're brilliant i think the sky is the limit for them and uh yeah i think dogwell is just great i i love the re-records i love the sha 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 which is such a a a sing-along thing that goes on i think that they've moved everything on a little bit from uh the singles that we had heard before and i think it stands together as an absolutely brilliant piece of work i think they rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way with a couple of the interviews that they did where they uh, the the line that comes to mind is from an interview in vice where uh they said that girl band like really opened their eyes as to what music can do and before girl band it was all diddly eye music coming yeah. out of portland so i think people were a little bit perturbed uh, yeah that, I, th- I think yeah one I think that that was quite a mindless comment that they made and I think that that actually kind of extends for me it extends into what I don't like about them in that I think that they're quite a, a mindless very vacuous um but the so- machine um I think that they're just very young as well but this is it they're young I mean like 
Irish music is so on almost on the periphery for a lot of people. I mean, you know, I still feel like I don't know a lot about um older Irish music because it's not there. If I was when girl band like they must have been 18, maybe maybe even younger than that when girl band first came on the scene. Um and they girl band were the band that got big. They were the band that were written about in Enemy and in Pitchfork and were touring the world and there weren't many Irish acts doing that. I can totally see where they're coming from for the age that they are i mean yeah you can say it's a bit of a mindless comment but i i understand where they're coming from i wouldn't hold it against them and as a piece of work i think it's unfair to kind of throw it at them Mm, i think they're i think i was listening to the album again today um and it just the words that kind of kept cropping up in my mind is challenging but not in the rewarding sense I find them a very challenging band to listen to in that I am not a huge fan of Green Chatton's vocals. I Again, I think they're very inauthentic. Um, I really don't like their lyrics. I find them very grating. I just find them a very grating band. Um, and I, I will, of course, be interested to see what comes next from them. I will listen to a second album. I don't think you'll like the new stuff anyway. <laughs> it, it doesn't change that much. Like, I don't think they're going to be you know doing something completely different anytime soon yeah i'm kind of not surprised that they're not really doing anything different because for me they just seem to lack a bit of imagination okay (laughs) moving on i got i got it out of the way you got it out of the way i knew i like i think fontaine's i think it's mad that like just in my kind of circle of friends or peers or whatever the uh like lack of people that I can find who like Fontaine's DC. I think I think it's shocking that like just last night, for example, I was in like, you know, kind of a group of eight or nine of us just standing around outside and, you know, we were talking about Fontaine's DC and not one other person. You know, I thought, you know, surely one in nine, you know, apart from myself, I thought someone else would would have stood up for them. But the best that someone said was, you know, like, uh, it sounds quite good. Mm. you know in the way it's recorded <laughs> i think yeah and not to um peg the fontaines with the murder capital who of course they have been you know there was a time where you couldn't mention one without the other and the thing i find in the comparison say with the murder capital is across their album there is very clearly um a sense of that they're great musicians and that comes across very well on their album um and also there's you can kind of see room for potential of growth i think with the murder capital as well whereas with the fontaines i think that they have just kind of set their stall so early in you know declaring themselves to be big and i think maybe that should have waited or they should they should have given themselves maybe a little bit more space to grow and maybe show a bit more naivety or vulnerability in their music which I think comes across in the murder capital sometimes um even in their instrumental songs um whereas with Fontaine's I think there is just a bit too much of an arrogance there and yeah I think maybe like murder capital are a bit conspicuous by their absence in my list but i think they kind of fall into the the rap thing for me it's the vocals are very front and center and very loud that um it, it's hard to listen to while you're doing yeah. something else while you're reading or something so uh i liked 
the album uh, the first couple of times. I was surprised I liked it uh, so much because um, the I can't think of the lead single that Six Music had been playing quite a bit of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, green is blue. Blue is green. Blue is green. Green is blue. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is, uh, I, that stood out just because it stands out against everything else that I was hearing on Six Music. But actually, the album makes a lot of sense, but um, I, I haven't delved into it as much as I should have, maybe, because I, it's one of those I don't know when to listen to them mm. albums. Um, and I think we talked about these kind of shouty bands last year we we mentioned fontaine's dc i think we mentioned the murder capital and idols are kind of like mm. the the their, their dads almost you know like they've toured with them they've played with them yeah um they've supported them and uh i actually last year i said that i don't get idols uh i, I got idols mm. this year um i really really uh like that album but i guess you know m- maybe they're speaking to a male audience maybe a young male audience that feels like disenfranchised not not that i do or anything you know like um uh, i like seeing them live i like the way that the crowd really like lets themselves go but i can see why people would maybe be that's enough shouty men Mm. for me maybe we've reached our limit of shouty white men yeah it idols are a band that just haven't clicked for me at all and i think it is that abrasion doesn't really and i do love a good roar like um but it just, I think, depends on what's um, supporting that and behind it. So that's Fontaine's DC out of the way. I'm sure you're happy with that. I think we did quite that. well with that. I'm sure you're <laughs> happy with that, Sarah. I think we're still friends, aren't we? <laughs> well, you know, I might have to just reassess all of my all of my friends. I was just about to offer to make I'll, you a cup I'll, of tea, I'll, so that's a I'll friendly gr- gesture. <laughs> I'll group them into Fontaine's DC fa- friends and uh, others. <laughs> Uh, number two for you, Sarah. Number two for me is Junior Brother, Pull the Right Rope. Um, just that's my number one. Ah, so apart from Fontaine's DC, you've um, we've been pretty much neck and neck yeah. with our favorite albums. Mm. Yeah. Um. Again, just such an incredible musician with very strong songs, excellent songwriting, dynamic song structures. Um. He does so much with just the guitar with just his guitar and um, the tambourine and the tambourine um to make such a full and fulfilling and rewarding sound with his with his vocals the and those two in particular it's just mesmerizing and whether you're seeing him live and listening to the songs in that context or if you're listening to the the, the album on headphones or over a speaker it's just so gripping and it's one of those albums that really holds your attention and you hear everything that he says and I just love I love the grit in his voice and the wildness in his voice and I think he's so exciting and you just don't know where he's going to take you next which I think is part of his appeal um yeah just an absolutely unbelievable talent and I think we're all very lucky to have this album to be able to listen to i think it's interesting that like he doesn't seem to be too divisive with his voice because it's a weird mm. voice it's but it but it's in a similar vein to say lisa o'neill a lot of people mm. find her voice um a little off-putting but i don't think i've heard as much similar comments about junior brother yeah I, I don't know i don't know why that's just something that comes to mind but um personally he's been uh pipped to the post for best 
opening song of the year by Lancome and uh, The Wild Rover. But I think Coping is just such a brilliant song. It's so funny. And that's the thing. It's a really funny album yeah. in places. It's uh, hilarious. Coping is hilarious. Hungover at Mass isn't on the album, but uh, that's uh, that kind of humor is just running through uh, his lyrics. Some of them will just have you bursting out laughing if you want. And there's real deep introspection, uh, like the back of her that we mentioned earlier as well. Uh, he runs through the gamut of emotions, which uh, a lot of acts with a lot more instruments would struggle with. Whereas he just seems like this is so easy for him. He like knows the craft as well i feel you could throw him into um a session and he'll be the star of the show and he'll be able to hang with the best of them and he's also uh responsible for bringing a new critical eyes to richie cavanagh um who he talks about a lot in interviews and uh that kind of comedy thing uh just shines through and he's responsible for you know a whole host of new views falling on Richie Kavanagh videos I feel on YouTube <laughs> and also kind of like touching on the you know talking about Richie Kavanagh and his humor there's a great celebration of um and analysis of Ireland and Irish culture across the album but he does so in a way where he's not very um obvious or gauche about it like he does it in a very subtle way um i suppose like with hungover at mass you know the whole like uh, making a critique um and a satire of how there's such a culture of um religion and also drinking in ireland um but he does it in a way where he makes it very universal and you know people in I don't know, Germany or France could kind of relate maybe to the subject matter, but not necessarily kind of pass them off as being able to relate to them because they're not from Ireland, but that there is, he does it in a way where he has like a universal appeal. Um, so yeah, no, I think he's such a clever songwriter and just so warm and yeah, I just think it's brilliant. Yeah, so that's my number one album, Junior Brother Pulled the Right Rope. And so I'm guessing it's Lancome for you as your number one it, it, it sounded it sounded when I heard you review it for Arena that it was definitely going to be up there mm -hmm. um uh was it was it an easy kind of choice oh absolutely yeah. yeah I just think this album is so commanding and it really takes you outside of your head and it brings you into their world and it introduces you to loads of different um characters from songs that we have been exposed to before be it the wild rover uh one of my favorite songs on uh, the live long day is um the version of katie cruel which i suppose a lot of people would maybe know from karen dalton's version of it but again rady pete's vocals are what really are the star of that show um she slips into the character of katie so effortlessly and i think in a similar way to what you were saying about Junior Brothers' voice, Rady Pete's voice, I think, can kind of have that Marmite effect on people. I personally think it's so cool. Yeah, I, um, I would call her probably the best vocalist in the country at the moment. Yeah. I don't think anyone is, is getting near her. Yeah, like she just is so distinct and you just immediately know exactly where that voice is coming from. Um, that drone that Dara Lynch was talking to you about um, that is a, such a, a key figure on the album as well is 
so captivating um i loved that i love anything that kind of has a bit of a fuzz across an arrangement that gives an extra bit of depth and weight um, I, I i guess that that's one of the things that's different about this album the they recorded it with spud murphy mm. who um a lot of people will know he, he did like katie kim's albums and he plays with percolator as well i think that he's kind of primarily responsible for that kind of fuzz that droney mm. sound uh he knows sound really really well and yeah i guess this album m- maybe lancome have already shown what they can do on the first two albums mm. so you're coming at it with a this is what Lancome is, and it's easier to get into. I think. I think this album hits immediately mm. more so than their other ones. I don't know. Is it just because we know what Lancome is now? Mm, yeah, and I think as well there was just a bit more. Uh, their arrangements across this album were just so much more dynamic. I felt than the previous two, um, and they're even though they can be quite um, striking and very nocturnal and kind of harrowing, they're still very welcoming, and you want to be in the middle of it with them um again a lot of the songs in this album are really long like there's 10 minute long tracks there's eight minute long tracks i think the shortest track is like five minutes long um so because of that there's maybe only eight songs on it um but it never ever feels like the 51 or so minutes that it is and you could easily listen to it, fifty another 51 minutes of it on top of that. And I think that's a real testament when a band can really keep a listener's attention, especially with something as ambitious as a song that's 10 minutes long. And for you to feel like, you know, something new is happening constantly. So they're just so fresh and they're um, just unbelievable musicians as well it's just it's so awe-striking to hear such talent coming from four people and obviously four people who are so compatible to playing together and I think that's so um, apparent as well just how well they're melded together and how well their sensibilities come together I just think they're like spectacular I was trying to say superb but spectacular (laughs) I was getting confused there (laughs) a lot of bands say that uh you know we we make music for each other and if other people like it that's fine I feel like that's what Lancome do it's like I didn't know that I needed that version of the Wild Rover but now it's the only version I need you know it's like they showed me something that uh they like and that they want to do and uh you know if you like it fine and people love it i think i think they're a, an amazing amazing band who just are almost standing alone at the top of the mountain right now and it's some people below them we didn't even mention the gloaming who released um an album this year which is like the other side of folk it's more it's it's more folky i suppose than the trad the the dirty trad almost that Lancome do uh yeah the, it's it's rich pickings for folk fans which was reflected in um the RT folk awards which uh sounded like an absolute riot and I presume that there's no after party like a folk awards after party all of those lovely people in the room together Junior Brother and Lancome were playing a gig, a gig elsewhere but man if you had them there as well like you're gonna have an unbelievable uh session afterwards I was uh, just that would go on say, all night yeah uh, I, some some session all together yeah yeah, like, I mean, we didn't even mention the Vagabonds album, The yeah. Hairs of Men, which I absolutely adore. There's, like, that's it. When we talk about uh, it's been a great year for Irish albums, I mean, we, we could easily list off another 10, but I think we've been talking about it long enough. So, um, uh, Junior Brother, 
two trad albums folk albums that we've picked as our number one um junior brother for me and lancome uh for zaris (laughs) 